Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axiona Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Tim Miller, Journal Tribune sports editor, Alexi Pavlov, sports editor of the Richwood Gazette, managing editor Chad Williamson, Bob Putman, sports writer, Marysville Journal Tribune. All right, and on this week's episode, heading into week three of the football season, uh, still early on, so things are still you know a little bit open. Uh, where do you guys want to begin? Well, I think we'll start with a game where two local teams played each other. Bob, you covered the triad football game they played at North Union. What were your impressions of that? Well, both teams were coming off losses in week one, uh, so the the Key was which team would be able to uh, bounce back from a loss, and uh, uh, clearly North Union was able to to do that. Uh, they scored the first two times they had the football uh, on Friday last Friday against Triad, and went on to to uh, win forty one to nothing, and uh, just they dominated the game really from beginning to end. Um, the one thing that uh, uh, noticed from last week. Uh, Carter Skaggs, the senior quarterback, uh, he threw for 199 yards in the first half. So um, they uh, found a pretty good passer, I think. He did a lot of rollouts, a lot of quick stuff, and and had enough running game to uh, uh, to do the job. And, and Triad just, and as we talked uh, last week, it, it's Triad with, with having to replace so many people along the uh, – the offensive and defensive lines. It's just it's tough for them to get anything going, and when they do, something happens because uh, Awesome Mitchell had a, a 60, 65-yard run, I think, that went in for a touchdown uh, early in the in the third quarter. Uh, unfortunately, about 10 yards behind the play, there was a holding penalty, and so it got called back. And then later in the quarter, he lost another. Uh, touchdown run of about 15 yards or something like that uh, because of a holding penalty. So um, he 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 did end up rushing for uh, uh, 70, 73 yards on 12 carries, but um, for the most part, Norton did a really good job of of keeping him, you know, from from doing any real damage. So 12 uh, carries is super low for him. What what are they doing with them? Well, they don't have the ball very much, Chad. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what it is. They they get a lot of three and outs or they have interceptions and uh, they had uh, I think three turnovers against Nortina last Friday. So, uh, when when they're on the field, they're giving him the ball. But yeah. they're they're just not on the at least last Friday they're just not on the field very much. Well, his Rushing totals after two games are very un-awesome Mitchell-like. I think, what, he's maybe between both games he's got 130 yards total, I, not something sure, like I, that. I'm not even sure he has that, that. much. And, and I, I watched him where he had 130 yards in one half, you know, but it, it just shows you how important that offensive line is. And they've got a lot of inexperienced kids in that area, and that's going to be trouble. Most people have probably seen – bad to average offensive lines at some point like when you see a good offensive line it's super obvious really fast what they're seeing over there i think is like a line so bad i hate to say it like this because i know these are high school kids but there's there's no way to look at what awesome mitchell has done before and what he's doing now and 
what you guys are describing as anything other than like almost a historically bad kind of line. Like, well, it's what, just so inexperienced. I mean, when when this guy can't find creases, I mean, because he doesn't need much. Like as, as he showed on the long run. Uh, yeah, and it's it, so. What I'm saying is, you know, I think people get complacent and just seeing high school lines that are just kind of bad, but they can be much, much worse. You know, to the point where. It is just like an open door when the when the ball is snapped. Uh, the North Unions, uh, they also – I think they lost uh, three of their starting line from last year. But they have – and I don't, know, I don't know what grade the kids are from the tryout. They had to rebuild – North Union had to rebuild a little bit their offensive line, but they were doing it with juniors and seniors. Uh, well, actually, I think they're doing it with seniors, which even though maybe they weren't playing last year, they were involved, and I, I really don't know – what triad has as far as what what those kids did last year. And I think we talked about it last week that it's too bad they didn't get a chance maybe to, for those kids to get some time right. last well, year. It's probably they're pro- what you've described is at least, you know, what North Union's piecing in with are linemen. Like they're kids that have played line probably all up through and it's just their turn. Whereas triad, like they're sticking square – Square pegs and round holes to try to find anything to stop people. I think they've maybe moved a couple guys from the defensive secondary up to offensive line. Maybe secondary? A line, maybe a linebacker or two. A linebacker Definitely. I'll take, but, boy, yeah. you start sticking a DB in there, you, <laughs> yeah. are, you are scraping the bottom so, of the barrel. Well, no offense to DBs, but they're, know, not, but, they're not but, built for that but game. They're, but they're going with what they've got. I mean. But take nothing away from what Nortina did on Friday night. I mean, they uh, – uh, were were came out strong and, and um well and what I said I think I used that term before in these podcasts of a palate cleanser. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. I think they maybe went into pleasant, maybe overlooked them a little bit. Uh, they they needed, definitely overlooked them. They needed sure. a little palate cleanser to maybe set their reset their season and well, start and, back. And coach Mike Braun, the triad coach, told me after the game he said they knew based on what happened last week that Dartino was gonna come out angry. Uh, to start, and he said our hope was that we could survive that initial uh, start, and and they just were not able to do it. So, um, but again, it was a, a take death away from Northeen, and they did a very good job. They did what they had to do, um, bounce back from from a big win and, or a big loss from last week, and uh, so uh, Coach Nick Hajar was was happy with. Uh, uh, what they did, but as all coaches said, uh, said we still need to get better. Where and did you see the biggest improvement from week one to week two in North Union? Opponent. Well, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, that's probably true. Put it I, I think. Okay. Focus. Right. Fo- okay. Focus on what they needed to have done. And as as Nick said, that uh, you know it was a little bit of a hit in the mouth uh, the first week where you go into a game thinking you know because they. They pounded Pleasant the year before, and I think they thought that for that was – For several years, I think, Pleasant's been really down. And I, and I think down. they thought that's what was going to happen again, and it, it didn't, so um, – Maybe this is what North Union needed. And and so he uh, he was very pleased with that, and and uh, and uh, this week uh, they go to uh, Chillicothe Zane Trace, for North Union does, and while it's a new opponent – for North Union, uh, the Zane Trace coach knows all about North Union because uh, their head coach is, is Dylan Weirs, 
who was the triad coach, and I'd, I'd faced uh, Nortina a couple, three times. So um, Coach Hajar was talking about, now he, they have sort of a little bit of advantage. They know us. Um, all we know them through is, is watching film and, and that kind of thing. So um, it's, uh, but as, as Nick tells me every week, it, it, I can I could write it down on my pad before I even go into the interview for the week. It, it's it's about us. He it, says whatever whoever the opponent is, it's about us. That's what we we do. And and you know obviously there are things you need to do to stop the opponent, but it, he's of the firm believer it's what we do will dictate what they do. Who does and, Zane Trace replace on North Union schedule? From last year, I don't remember who they played last year at at that point. So is this um, a home and home? I had the, thing? I don't yeah. I don't know whether they're coming next year or not. I oh, haven't okay. seen next year's schedule. So, yeah. um, so it's a little bit of a long bus ride. Uh, but uh, I guess the the good thing for them is is the with the Richwood Fair this week. Uh, the, the after uh, after Tuesday, the kids weren't in school. So it's it's not that they have to you know worry about school, then make this this long bus ride. So um, he's he's uh, uh, thankful for that that they that they, that they do that. Um, and talking with him was sort of a a, a preview for uh, what uh, Zane Trace does. He says they're a spread team, um, but they will use a lot of different formations with that spread on offense. And they've got a a, a quarterback who. Uh, it's pretty much what they want to do, and to see, it's uh, Carter Langley. He's a senior, and he's uh, Nick says he's very good. Uh, they'll they'll need to uh, uh, be able to, to handle him and, and and do some things. And they've got a tailback, uh, Blake Phillips, also a senior. Um, it's not overly big, but he says the he, he's got some strength, and he says won't. Well, we're going to need to tackle him. I mean, we're going to need to go to the ball and and make sure we uh, uh, wrap up every time. Um, on defense, they run a four three four two five, so pretty much a standard type defense. Uh, they uh, may blitz a little bit more, maybe than they have the first couple weeks, uh, and so they they need to be uh, need to be ready for that. So uh, um, he's. As, as most coaches are, he's anxious about this game. You know, it's a new opponent. Uh, it's travel. Um, and uh, so he's hoping to see that same improvement, I think, that he saw from uh, one to two to, to two to three and, and everything. So uh, Triad is hoping to bounce back uh, at Southeastern on Friday. Uh, I don't know a lot about Southeastern, so I, I don't know what you know what they have, but uh, um, they hopefully will will get get some things going, so we can do some good things. The to problem say. is like when you've got line problems, there's so many members. Like if you've got a running back go down, you need one guy to fill that. If your line is a a sieve, like you've got you got five problems. You know that that's the problem. Like fi you you can't find one good lineman to fix the problems that are going on in that line. You need a you need a bunch. Either that or do they run out of do they snap do uh, under center or do they go they shot do them? it out of a spread? 
Um, they go they go shotgun? Yeah, they go shotgun. I was going to say, so, well, that at least gives him a chance to <laughs> throw a short pass or something. I feel like their offense, when they do, at least from when I watched their first game, the offense is able to move when when they do those bubble screens or put players out in space. And awesome was not one of those guys that went out in space. So, like, I feel like I don't know from your perspective from the North Union. They ought to split him out. Yeah, they ought to they ought to get a blocking fullback in there in the backfield and split him out. Right. In those bubble. Well, if they had a blocking fullback, he'd be on the line. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But but, uh, but uh, I think they put a couple of those on the line too. Well, I, I thought of that and watching them that maybe you know the, to to give him some space. Uh, to, to be able to do some things, but uh, uh, and they, they tried that a couple times, but uh, North Union is pretty quick uh, on on defense. So now North Union did did a lot of, of quick, uh, a lot of uh, of Carter's 199 yards in passing uh, came on quick outs, uh, bubble screens, uh, where they were getting uh, eight, nine, ten, fifteen yards at a time. So. Um, they were able to do some of the things that we were talking about. Maybe if they could get awesome out in space, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's things to do when teams get too much penetration, like tra- more traditional screens or draw. I don't know what kind of tight ends they have, but dropping things over the tight ends over the middle, like that are quick and designed almost to turn aggressive penetration against a team. But boy, I just don't know if they've got. The people anywhere, yeah. you know. There sounds like they got a couple of skill positions, and beyond that, they're really struggling. Yeah, yeah. So, but the, hopefully, the they can get things turned around, and, and North Union's got the uh, long trip, and hopefully, they can uh, come back with a win. I haven't talked to Mike Braun yet, but I can almost certainly imagine that the offensive line will definitely be uh, one of the points that they need to get across this week and for the foreseeable future, really, until they figure stuff out. Well, yeah, coaches can make those points all they want, but until the players on the field actually get some things figured out, they may continue to struggle. They they can't gain 30, 40 pounds in a week or whatever. No, no. Well, Triad's looking for their – First win of the season this week. Jonathan Alder is going to be looking to stay unbeaten when they host Bloom Carroll, and that's that's going to be a tough matchup for Jonathan Alder. It seems like I don't care what sport it is. Over the years, Jonathan Alder has always met Bloom Carroll at some point in the season, and Bloom Carroll more often than not has had their way with Jonathan Alder teams, and it might be a mental block. I don't know. Bloom Carroll's a very uh, talented team, but uh, I had the Jonathan Alder Buckeye Valley game last week, and did you have the over? Uh, no, I just kept you know I didn't bet. I was just kept <laughs> moving my head back and forth, watching the teams run up and down on each other. It was uh, it was a defensive coordinator's nightmare. Offensive coordinators were happy. Uh, Buckeye Valley's zero and two, but. They're a pretty good 0-2 football team after this game. They moved the ball very well. They had a running back by the name of Malaki Ross who he ran at will against Jonathan Alder's defense. And I haven't – watching Jonathan Alder football over the years like I have, I haven't seen too many teams run 
make a lot of headway against Jonathan Alder's defense like Buckeye Valley did. But fortunately, Jonathan Alder's defense or offense, after uh, getting off to a slow start, they got uh, they pretty much controlled the way. Uh, Cameron Jewell had 180 yards rushing at halftime, and uh, that's unofficial. That was my stats. They take their stats off the films over the weekend. And I, I would have to say, if I had to guess, he probably was up close to 300 yards rushing by the end of the season, by the end of the game. And I don't care what division you're talking about, he is one of the top running backs in the Central District, uh, bar none. I, he had a way of finding the holes. He's like Awesome Mitchell in that he doesn't need a lot of room to get through. Unfortunately for Awesome, he doesn't have the offensive line that Cam uh, has the uh, the ability to work behind. But one thing I also noticed, uh, although Cam got his day in the spotlight, their quarterback Grant Horn uh, had a, a, a very good game, a little bit better game than he had the previous week against Fairbanks. Uh, they don't they don't throw a lot. I mean, they're a run first football team. But Grant hit several key passes, to, just enough to keep Buckeye Valley's defense honest. And he also took off and carried the ball himself. I'm going to guess he had close to 80 yards rushing all by himself and scored a handful of touchdowns. The, the that's, not, that's not usually a me- metric of touchdowns. Well, or, you know. Especially in a boat race. But like in this. a game like <laughs> that, a handful. Yeah, he had a handful. Yeah. But uh, the thing that I think – Buckeye Valley's or uh, Jonathan Alder stressing in practice this week. They've got to tighten up their defense. Uh, they're not going to. They cannot afford to have Bloom Carroll run through them like Buckeye Valley did. Uh, and Nate Snedeker, their coach, told me that after the game. He says we've got to we've got to shore some things up, keep our eyes where we need to keep them. And he says we'll be all right, but. He says we have to use this game as a, as a learning tool to prepare for Bloom Carroll because he said the, the, our schedule doesn't get any easier. We've got teams like Bloom Carroll coming up, Springfield Shawnee, uh, North Union. Uh, he said these are teams – Kenton Ridge is another. He said those are teams that are going to be even better than what we faced the first two weeks of the season. So we've got to shore up our defense. Jonathan Alder, their offense is uh, – won't take a back seat to anybody. But they've got a few new faces on defense. And, and I think they've got the, the coaching staff and the players who will, will certainly um, – rise to the occasion i know you hadn't talked to nate nathan right. yet to see what uh, he thought about bloom carroll bloom Car- wasn't bloom carroll a state finalist last yeah, year they uh yeah they so lost to canfield in the state final it wasn't it wasn't a close contest but i mean still it, yeah i mean still they final two. bloom carroll's offense is i mean you're correct in saying that uh ja's defense should definitely take them uh like very seriously because they have a, a running back uh dylan our 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 men Trout, I believe is his name. Um, he uh, he just committed to play at Army this this past summer, and they have a kid, Jaden Ball, offensive lineman, who also plays defense, who's committed to play at Purdue. So they have a lot of talent 
coming back from that state finalist team and um, who knows if they'll you know make a run in the playoffs but I mean this is a good test um, especially at this point in the season I think it'll kind of set the tone for um, future games to come really so and uh, again it, it's what did what do you think Nathan would say that their defense is going to have to do to combat all those offensive weapons. Well, judging from the fact that they got a you know a Division One running back and and at least one member of the offensive line that's you know a Division One caliber player, um, I mean, Dylan uh, for BC he set a school record with like two thousand one hundred seventy eight yards last year. So I assume. Uh, like ninety percent sure that he's going to talk about stopping the run first. I mean, it all comes down to that, and and I believe JA's defensive line um, can manage it. I I think it has to be kind of like a tandem between the defensive line and the linebacking core. Um, and I mean, uh, there there are a lot of new faces. I think Ty Ty Moore. Okay. Um, he uh, he's he's a senior and. I think this might be a game where he needs to step up because he's he's split both times at defensive end and outside linebacker. I think it, I think it'll be, um, I think that needs to be taken care of first because I don't because th- from what I saw from Bloom Carroll in the state finals, they don't throw the ball a whole lot. I don't think they have anybody from what I saw this year that can really like challenge the secondary so it all has to start up front on offense and defense well again nathan said we got to be right with our eyes another thing they've got to be better at is their tackling they there were times against buckeye valley now the ross kid was very very quick through the line I'll, i'll give him that but jonathan alder's defense has historically been a team that it wraps well and stops people at the line. There were times last Friday they did not wrap well. They were grabbing at arms. And I saw several times when uh, Buckeye Valley's uh, running back, he carried two or three kids with him for three or four extra yards. And you you normally don't see that from a Buckeye Valley team. So they're going to have to get hats on the ball and get him get uh, – Bloom Carroll's top ball carrier wrapped up and get him on the ground as as best they can. Now, one thing about Jonathan Alder, they don't they haven't been penalized an awfully lot this year, so that that helps them their offense stay on schedule. Uh, so I'm not worried about their offense moving the sticks. It's just can they stop Bloom Carroll from doing that as well. So. Well, Bloom Carroll's like a really physical team, and judging from some of the film that I saw last year when they went to JA, um, I mean, you're you're 110% right that wrapping up and finishing tackles is going to have to be like another main thing that everyone on the defensive end is going to have to – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they're drilling pursuit drills all the time in practice this week. So. I think they're going to have to because, again, hopefully what uh, the Ross kid was able to do through their defense last week was a good learning tool for them. Broken, poor tackling a lot of times is a symptom of not having enough hats to the ball. Not, you know, three, guy, three guys got a better chance of tackling somebody than one. So, you know, you can break you can break through one guy. You know, I think getting those pursuit angles and getting – you know, stressing that urgency of running to the ball. It doesn't matter if you're out of the play, run to the ball because he could cut back, like things like that. You know, I, I haven't seen older play, you know, maybe they do. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, you can improve it 
more arms on the ball carrier can can help those tackling numbers. Well, the, again, the thing that bothered me the most that I saw was Ross was carrying two and three kids with him for extra yardage. And, again, you don't see that very often from uh, Jonathan Alder team. So hopefully they can get like that little, correct. little Giants movie where, <laughs> <laughs> where Spike, Spike's dragging the little Giants down there just hanging on his – on the tail of his shirt, and he's dragging him down the Climb on top of field. his back. I don't care what you have to do to bring him down. <laughs> well, we got another team that's also looking for their first win of the season, and, and that's Fairbanks, and they're going to be hosting Cedarville this week. You watched Fairbanks play at Indian Lake. Uh, Alexi, what were your thoughts on that game? Well, um, First off, it was it was it was really hot. <laughs> um, it was it was really hot to start out. Uh, so like, yeah, it was. I was really interested to see how they were going to bounce back in this game because I think at the end of the day, while the score ended up being twenty-two to six in favor of Indian Lake, Fairbanks, I, they were able to move the ball, and I think what really killed them at the end, which is I think what was similar in the JA game, penalties miscues, drop passes. Carter Miller was slinging it. I mean, he he did a good job in doing what he was supposed to do. There were a few times where he had to, like, run away from pressure. Um, but, you know, you have someone like Holtzmane who's a hard man to miss um, and who's actually, you know, surprisingly, even though he's a little bit thinner for, for a uh, tight end, he's kind of hard to take down. With that being said, you know, it started out in Fairbanks' favor – they, they get the kickoff to start things. Um, they have to punt it, but on the second play for Indian Lake, um, you know, it was um, Kobe Dellinger, uh, cl- like, clawed out um, a fumble, and he recovered it himself, putting putting them at the midfield line. And on, the, like, the second drive for the offense, Fairbanks was able to score on, like, a 30-plus yard uh, touchdown pass from – Carter Miller to Rafi Stauffer and that put them up six to zero Fairbanks did try a two-point conversion which I was kind of surprised about I wasn't sure like what the whole game plan was in terms of not like relying on your kicker just to get the easy point um because Indian Lake was was ready for the I mean what they tried to do on the two-point conversion was just kind of like a you know a it's it's a one man screen where like you have one receiver who catches it and, and he has one blocker um, on the outside and you know Indian Lake just had two people to take care of the job and and then after that you know the problems really started to occur um, the holding calls uh, started to come in and uh, there were just a lot of there were just a lot of miscues and and that's where the drop passes really started to show too after that. Uh, initial drive and you know at halftime it was a 13-6 ball game it's manageable it, it it is manageable and I mean you're down by one score you you know you're not out of the game yet and you know with that being said coming out of the half um you know they were able to hold Indian Lake um to a punt and then when they got the ball um you know AJ Landon I'm I'm not quite sure why he didn't get as many touches as he did but he, at one point, you know, ran for more than a 30-yard gain uh, to to really put the pressure. But then, of course, the miscues happen, and they have to punt the ball again. And they on on that on that punt, they put them down at the 10-yard line, and the defense showed up and put Indian Lake down at their own six. 
But then, like, on a third and, you know, 14, uh, Indian Lakes quarterback just, you know, ditched it off to a wide receiver uh, on the field side, and he was able to pick up a first down. So it's like, in, like, moments like that, I, I, I kind of think to myself it's kind of a gimme but at the end of the day nothing's for certain so um when you have when you have situations like that i'm sure that patrick cotter is trying demoralizing oh yeah it's demoralizing when you have when you've got the somebody behind the chains like that and especially deep in their own territory you're thinking okay this is our spark and then they convert one of those that is a those are backbreakers and and indian lake had a lot of them there was a moment too where they held indian lake this is near midfield to a fourth and four and Indian Lake, what they did, they started out with their typical offensive package, but then it transformed into a punting unit uh, with the quarterback being the punter. And then as soon as the quarterback got the ball, he like maybe took one step as if he was going to punt it and then just darted for a first down. So it's like stuff like that that just yeah. keep, that keeps putting the, the ego down. And yeah. uh, they were able to score again in the second half. And, you know, at that point, like I, I hate to say that, Fairbanks looked kind of defeated, um, but you know, like with like a you know less than two minutes in the game, um, Indian Lake was able to get uh, a safety due to a holding call, um, and and the play the play before that, um, you know, Carter found Holtz Main who was able to pick up a first down, but then of course gets called back, and you know they're at the t- like one and a half two yard line and. Due to rules, rules are rules. And yeah, that's a that's a safety if you hold. So, well, I talked to Patrick Monday morning, and he he was happy that his defense got off the field better than they did against Jonathan Alder. But it was offensively, he said we again between the twenties were great. He says it's after we get down in the red zone where we have some problems and. You uh, you can't have that. I, mean, you I think can't. it's I think it's also worth saying that um, Riker Green was not uh, able to participate. Um, he was just in his jersey and you know he clothes. He so. had an ankle injury the first week against early in the game against Jonathan Alder, and didn't play the rest of the way. If they can get him back, that will give them an added offensive weapon because he's. Very athletic. He he. You get him the ball, and he's going to find some space to move. But um, he's still listed as day to day, like we all are. <laughs> but uh, this week they're going to be uh, back home playing against Cedarville. And in years past, when you see Cedar, when you've seen Cedarville come up on the schedule, it's like, oh boy, here comes Cedarville. It's a big W. But Patrick said, this isn't your older brother Cedarville. They're they're two and zero, and they've outscored their opponents forty nine to six over the first two weeks. Now, the two teams they've played, Fayetteville and East Clinton, they've got one win between them after two weeks. So, um, it's they haven't played any world beaters, but uh, Cedarville's a well coached team. Uh, they don't have a big offensive line, but. And their schematics aren't all that difficult, but their offensive line is well trained and they move well, and that's why their running back uh, Colt Coffee has rushed for over 200 yards in two weeks. Uh, but Patrick said they'll also sling it around a little bit out of their their spread offense. They've got a quarterback Jackson Piles. Uh, he's passed for over 200 yards and has four touchdowns. Um, 
it's it's going to be a balanced offense that Fairbanks' defense is going to face. But I think defense is the strongest part of Fairbanks' game so far. Uh, Patrick just says we need to keep our eyes uh, on where we need to be, and we've got to just tackle well in open space. Uh, he says their defensive line is very aggressive, but that that times they can be over aggressive, and he thinks they can work that to their advantage when they're on offense. He feels that they might be able to pass the ball a little bit on on Cedarville. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I think. Um, he did say we're going to need. They're going to need both the run and pass to keep them off balance. It's. I think what they need to do is. They know they can move the ball. They've just got to believe that we can finish drives. They don't they have killer them. instinct. I'm I'm listening to you guys describe them. They drive the ball up and down the field, but can't score in the red zone. They get in. They get teams behind the sticks and can't get them off the field on defense. They can't. They, finish. they can't finish. Yeah. They don't have the killer instinct yet. Yeah. yeah. That's that's what it is. They yeah. they've got to rise up when the moments. There. Yeah. It's, it's that, that it's, sounds clear to me. Like it's been that way for a couple of weeks. Yeah. It's been described. There was. I mean, the most vocal person out there was AJ Landon during you know when everything was really you know turning away for from their favor and you know after the game I. He, he he was really demoralized with the loss, uh, just judging from his you know um, from what he was telling me, and and you know he he said that we need to have like a real complete practice with a lot of competition, and I think that goes hand in hand with your killer instinct because like if you're not competing, you know, with grit in practice, mm-hmm. even against your own team, it's not going to translate onto the field at all. So well, even when they're third and long, if you've let them convert a couple of times, they never feel like they're not able to. Yeah. If you drive down in the red zone a couple of times and don't score, you don't have the other team playing on their heels. I mean, part of part of football is momentum swings and 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 getting in the head of your opponent and and if they just think like nothing's out of out of the realm of possibilities, we can always pick up a first down or we can always get a stop in the red zone. You know, that takes a big weight off their back. Right. Here's the question. Can you teach killer instinct, or is it just naturally inherent? I think it's kids? it's within the team. I don't think a coach can instill it. I, I think you've got to have – you've seen teams that have guys that just will will their team to get a stop or will will their team to get the last 40 yards to get a game-winning score. Like, that has to be in them. That has to be senior-driven. That has to be a mentality, you know. The coach can put them in those positions, right. but ultimately it's the player that needs to – to do that, and and as a coach, you just hope that you put them in positions, and then they have kids step up and and, because and show a, that. Because as a team game, it's it's you've got to do that as a team. You, one person, you can't have one stud out there just yelling. You know, one senior stud that's yelling, "We're going to do this." Like, there's got to be a belief among eleven guys that I've we're seen, all going to do our jobs, and we're. I've gonna, seen Fairbanks once. You've seen him once. Is there anybody out there, in your opinion, or a couple, three guys, or whatever, mm-hmm. that can do that? That can. I know it's still early, but right. you don't want this to. You don't want this to keep on going for too many more weeks, or your season's going to be lost. Well, I think AJ Landon has the right attitude and the right approach to situations like this. I mean, I you know he said it best: losing stinks, and I feel like you know he's 
one guy that I point to as someone who can regenerate some some uh, aggressiveness uh, on the team overall. I, I think really when I think the whole senior class though, to be honest, has to has to you know because because it's their last ride. You know, like this is it. What else? What else can we do other than? then instill some confidence in here. And I, I think it has to be a collective effort. I don't know if three guys will do it. I, I'm for sure not one can do it, but. Right. And, and you know, and I'm thinking of the seniors who are on the team. They're all good kids and, and they work hard. I can't think of one that is really going to be that, hey, we've got to get this done. Like, for instance, last year, Brogan Green, who was a senior. I mean, if things got down, he was the one who was chirping and getting in guys' faces. I don't know if I've seen that from anyone yet this year. Can it develop? I think so, but it's going to have to develop quickly. Leadership's because, a weird thing. Leadership yeah. on teams, high school teams, is a weird thing because it can't be some guy that just tries to scream at everybody and it puts himself above them, you know, and, and just more puts people down. Like, you can't motivate through kind of – diminishing people it's got to be that guy that looks in the huddle and sees when guys are tired or sees when guys are hurt and knows the right thing to say to lift them up together mm-hmm. as opposed to you know just raw raw and screaming at them and you know you're still talking about high school kids at this point sure. so finding the guys that do things like that is is a difficult task well i mean the good thing i guess with the senior class is that there's 10 of them you know, like I, if if I were in that group, I would try to have like a session maybe after a practice this week and just be like, hey, like we need to approach this differently when we're in when we are in these situations and we need to do it as as a senior class, because I think at that point, if it's consistent across the board, I think the uh, message becomes a lot simpler for you know the lower classmen to kind of understand that. So. And you might want to include, you know, a handful of your juniors who are seeing a lot of time on the field, maybe they need a players-only type meeting without the coaches so that they can figure out how they're going to dig deep down inside themselves and get this thing going. Again, we're only two weeks into the season, but now we're at week number three. That's how fast it's gone so far, folks. Yeah. Week number three is going to turn into week number four, number four and number five, and then all of a sudden you're halfway done with your regular season. Yeah. So you can't dawdle too much in trying whatever it is you want to do to try to get things turned around. And uh, hopefully Fairbanks can, can get it going this week. It's not going to be easy beating Cedarville. Cedarville used, Cedarville used to be a gimme on Fairbanks's schedule, but it's not going to be like that this week. Yeah. Well, sort of looking back, when the, I think all the schools, these first weeks are, are, are non-league contests, and while while obviously you want to win those, um, it gets you ready for your league play, which ultimately, you know, coaches like to see that league title, uh, and and so maybe maybe these. First weeks here, maybe they can, uh, uh, you know, find out some things and and uh, uh, hopefully uh, get some things done. Because uh, I know uh, Nick was talking about there, you know, uh, it's a big week for them. You know, a, a pretty good non-league opponent. They got Jonathan Alder next week, 
um, and then Urbana the week after that. So this is uh, this is the start That's of a, a big stretch. A, a, yeah, a big stretch. stretch for them to, yeah. uh, but they're non-league. Yeah. So uh, since Urbana now moved over to the uh, to the bigger school division in in the uh, CBC, so <laughs> wins can be relevant. That you want them, obviously, it's better than losing. Uh, but obviously, the 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 look down the road when you got league games. Well, the way, and the way the playoffs are structured now, with so many teams making it. Obviously, it's better to be playing your better ball at the end of the year. If sure. you have to find yourself, this yeah. is the time to do yeah. it. Don't realize, hey, we can't cover a pass or we can't finish a game in week eight, nine, and ten. Yeah. You want to figure out, okay, we've you got problems here. Out Hopefully, right the course weeks. and yeah. gain momentum into the playoffs, maybe. Yeah. Well, we had uh, Marysville hosting Perrysburg, which the word hosting was a big word. <laughs> I'm very happy. Now the countdown is on for the, for the what we figure out. You, you we're were, gonna have to get the Journal Tribune helicopter fired up just, next year when we go up there because I don't. You fly that, don't you, I don't, Michael? <laughs> I don't know how we're gonna get to Perrysburg and back and get the paper done and get stories and uh, like I don't know what we're gonna do with that one. It's, He's been fretting about the. I don't even have a passport. <laughs> you need a passport to get up here, Toledo. I so. I, I believe. I think they annexed it. So, what were your impressions well, of Mary's? Before game? I go to that, the first things first is I got to make a correction from last week's podcast that I heard about, in uh, that I called one of the linemen by the wrong name. Uh oh. And linemen very rarely get their name mentioned anyway. So when I called. Marysville offensive lineman Nathan Potter by the name Nathan Price. It was noticed. <laughs> so it is number 75 is Nathan Potter for Marysville's offensive line who who did a good job last week. So I wanted to get that out of the way because, okay. you know, as a former lineman, I understand how that goes. You have been absolved. I, so, yes, three Hail Marys. And, uh, <laughs> so there was a big crowd at Marysville. It, it was warm, not incredibly uncomfortable as the night went on. And I think the lights might have been a little too bright because Marysville came out after having a big win last week, and they should have felt good being at home for the first time. And she was the first five, six minutes was just just a cavalcade of errors. And you can't do that in Division One football. Like, you just can't. You know, I – I maybe was a little too stern in my story that I wrote about it, saying that Marysville's football team should have joined the Convention and Visitors Bureau because they treated a busload of people from Wood County to such a fine evening. But you get disappointed when you see Marysville play good against New Albany, and then you see them come out and just trip over their feet, just just make mistakes in the first first half. You know, you get a little disappointed. Maybe I was a little too rough on them, but. Even Coach Brent Johnson said, yeah, we cannot play like that. You cannot play like that at this level of football. So basically to give you the Cliff Notes version of what happened, second play of the game, Marysville fumbles the ball away. Defense rises up, though, puts him in third and four, I believe. Perrysburg comes out. It's doing nothing but a hard count, and Marysville jumps. Gives him a fresh set of downs. In they go for a touchdown. All right, bad enough. Let's regroup. Bobble the ensuing kickoff, fall on it on the seven. Okay, let's get something going. They get nothing going. They go to punt. Perrysburg gets a hand on the punt. It rolls dead inside the 40, like short field. 
the only thing that saved Mary's then I think Marysville even got it like a pass interference call like on that play on that series. They're right down the shadow of the the goal the goal post again. And what saved Marysville is they got an interception in the end zone and stopped the bleeding right there. From there, then it was a fairly even contest through halftime. It, it stayed at seven to nothing. Okay, no big deal. Now the problem is Marysville's not moving the ball at all. They had expected the Yellow Jackets to come out in a four-man front, and they jump out in a fifty, and they start and they start massively pinching their defensive ends in. Which, if you've seen Marysville play the wing T, you know you really need to be able to get your counter game going. You pull guards, and when you pinch those defensive ends in, it just mucks up everything in that backfield. Those those cutback lanes are completely different. The guards' paths get misaligned. It just creates a lot of problems. You've got to fix that, and they did that at halftime. You know, it's it's tough to fix on the fly when you're expecting one thing, you get a completely different thing. But that's football. So they didn't do much. They had one, maybe two first downs in the first half. I mean, it was really – it was a sad game for Marysville. Now, the defense was playing fine, though. Like, you know, they rose up and held them to just seven. So – they regroup. They come out for the second half, and on the first play from scrimmage, the Yellow Jackets ran a seventy-two-yard touchdown. Oof. So that's beautiful. That's demoralizing. Now it's fourteen. Now it's fourteen and nothing. Marysville's a run-first offense. You can't get behind too far and have a lot of hopes of coming back, especially the way they were playing in the first half. They're not built to come back from a big deficit. They're, they surely are not. And fourteen is probably about the max. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as it turns out, that was about the right number because from there, Marysville figured some things out. One of the things they figured out was we need to pass the ball some. They started hitting uh, Matt Krotowskis out of the backfield. I know he had one nice gain. He had another one called back on a penalty. Um, I'd say I said last week they need to hit their tight end, and they found Drew Fraker two times. One of them was a 25-yarder after they had gotten a they had gotten a holding penalty that turned a big gain into a 10-yard loss. So they're they're staring at whatever in 20, and they hit the tight end for a 25-yard gain and move the sticks. You know, that passing game came alive there, and it and it had to. You've got to, you've got to open things up for that running game. That's ideal for the wing to a pop pass once or twice. Fraker's a big kid, and he's not end. slow. Like, he's yeah. a weapon, and they didn't even target him in the first game. And, you know, he was their leading receiver this game and, and moved two big first downs on two scoring drives. That's not a coincidence, you know. So then Krotowskis ran ran one in, capped a drive, and then on the next one uh, Nathan Wood scored on a seven-yard run. So they're back in it. It's 14-14 with two minutes left in the third quarter. So then the game goes into the fourth, and it was noticeable that Perrysburg slowed the game down. And – which was weird to me at 14-14. Like, they were running the clock down, the play clock down, all the way the entire time. I don't know exactly. Like, when you've got a lead, I get that. Or when you're, like, inside seven minutes or so, let's try to play for this to be the last thing. But, boy, they were doing it the whole quarter. Like, they were they were going to limit the number of opportunities Marysville had and they had in that and and – it's like they it sounds like they knew they had something that Marysville didn't. I know think maybe about. they liked their kicker better. Yeah, that's, that's what, all I can figure that's out. Is what maybe I they was liked their kicker better. To. Maybe they I didn't knew see something. it. I didn't see it necessarily. I mean, as it turns out, their kicker won the game, 
but it wasn't like it was a 50-yard or anything. Right. So they gave up the ball. Perrysburg gives up the ball, gives it gives it back to Marysville, and Marysville continues to move. Like, they're doing fine there, but uh, the quarterback uh, – Borkwin. Borkwin. was He was running the ball pretty effectively. I think he had 45 or 50 yards on the night. And he rolled out on a scramble on third down on a third and long and picked up the first down, but he was fighting for extra yards over on the sidelines, and you know what happens. Yeah. Yeah. They stand him up, the ball gets stripped out, oh. and, and Perrysburg took it back at the 23. That's how close Marysville was to going in for another touchdown. When you get the first down – that's good. I mean, yeah, I understand them wanting to get more, but if you've got the first down, okay, go down. Let's let's start again. We got a fresh set. Of I downs. gotta say here, I was never a man that touched the ball, <laughs> <laughs> but it it seems to me you have to at this level as seniors, you you want to know when you're being held up, when someone's trying to actively tackle you, or whether they're holding you up for someone else to help mm-hmm. and strip the ball. But that being said. Look, it was an effort play. Sure. And that's what Brent said about this whole game. None of these mistakes were because we're just out there lollygagging around or doing whatever. Like there was intensity well and, do that. and effort the whole game. They were just screwing up. That's that's just the way it was. Did did you feel panic start to set in no. at that point? No. Okay. Um boy, I'll tell you, and the this end of this game, the last minute, if you were gonna panic, they could have because there was some wild junk happening. So I will say no because you know how I was saying you need guys to rise up, and, and it didn't work out in this, but there were big plays being made. I mean, J- Borkwin's run was a great run, and it was an effort play. He just got stripped. I he's mean, good, he's a good he was athlete. there. By wild things happening in the last minute. So they, trade, so they trade punts, and Perrysburg gets it back here again. It, it's funny. It's you start you're, As you see them milking the clock this whole time, and then you look up, and there's like three minutes left when they get the ball back, and you're like, holy crap, like it worked out exactly what they wanted. Like they've got the ball. Now they can end, They can go down and, and, and win it, or it goes into overtime. So they get the ball down, and Perrysburg's quarterback, uh, Josh Tukats. Tukats, yeah. He was almost sacked on third down. They had him dead to rights. Um I don't know. It, he wasn't quite out by the midfield stripe, but he was maybe somewhere around the 40. And he broke loose and took it down to the nine-yard line with 49 seconds left. So now Marysville, now you are in field goal range. That's now, a backbreaker. Now you start wondering if Marysville is going to do that thing like Arena League and just let them score to get the ball back, but Marysville can't score that fast, you know? Yeah. If Marysville had a passing team, maybe you're just like, well, they're going to kick a field goal and win it. So the very next play, I think – Perrysburg scored a touchdown. Hit hit their tight end um, Hubbard for enough for he scored in the first half. For but you had a big ugly meandering downfield, <laughs> kind of wandering out of his out of his zone and got flagged for for an eligible lineman downfield. So you never that, did that. No, you know I didn't. I was that was. Speaking of effort plays, that just takes more energy to wander down. <laughs> like I like to just sit back there and squat down and camp. Exactly. So, so it backs it up. Then very next play, Marysville gets hit with a pass interference call. 
So that moves the ball up to the seven. With like when I tell you the ball was going forward and backwards and forward and backward that last minute. So they get hit with the pass interference, puts the ball up on the seven with 33 seconds left. Again, you're now you're definitely in field goal range. Even for a bad D1 kicker, you know, you're under 30. The next play after that, the quarterback to Katz or whatever, however you pronounce that. Van and Foltz wrapped him up, who was last week's player of the game, real high-energy linebacker for Marysville. And as he's going down, he flung the ball sideways out of bounds over the Marysville bench and got a got an intentional grounding call. Ball's back to the 24. Loss of down. And 26 seconds left. On, sec, on uh, the next down, they get a short pass to get some of the yardage back. Third down, throw into the end zone, missed the mark. So they're sitting here, 26-yard field goal. It's fourth down. Um, I don't know. They, I, it, was, it was under – it was about 12 seconds, I want to say. Marysville ices him twice, <laughs> hit him with the ice timeout, hit him with another one, and he hit the 26-yard field goal with, uh, with eight seconds left. So it was 17-14. That, but what I'm saying is like – so Marysville could have just – when when he runs it down to the nine after breaking out of a sack, Marysville could have folded up, and they could have just let. But you know they got pressure on the quarterback. Two of those plays, you know, they forced some mistakes. You know, if you look at the game, it was even. Marysville ten first downs, Perrysburg eleven. Marysville ran for one thirty seven, Perrysburg one fifty nine. But they got seventy two of that on one run. And we remember Perrysburg scored on the first play of the second half and the last, their last offensive play. Yeah, um, Marysville. Uh, Borkwin was five for nine for fifty-two yards. I mean, that's not incredible, but they're working on it. It's enough to keep defensive defenses honest. That's right. Uh, you know, Perrysburg three for eighty-three. So Marysville had one eighty-nine on offense, which is not good. No, but it was a good defensive team, and Perrysburg had two forty-two, which again seventy-two of that came on one play. But where Marysville got it is Marysville fumbled it four times and lost two of those, and had eight penalties for sixty yards and. They were in bad spots. And, you know, I'll tell you, another thing that needs to be noted for parents of underclassmen here is Perrysburg is exceptionally young. Now, I thought it was funny earlier. You said somebody had tryout, I think, had 10 seniors. That's what Perrysburg has. For a D1 for a big D one school. They had 10 seniors and a lot of lot of underclassmen playing, including Reed Gherkin. Gherkin? The 6'5", 290-pound freshman offensive lineman. Good grief. <laughs> what do you feed these people? The 6'5", Gherkin. <laughs> He's coming. He'll be there waiting next year when the Monarch Faithful roll up to Perrysburg. The Gherkin will still be a babe. <laughs> the Gherkin the will still be The baby Gherkin will still be there as a sophomore. He'll probably be 7 foot, 340 pounds by then. And, and that's going to give you even more to worry but, about as you're but flying up to Perrysburg. But they're, they're very young. So I'm telling you, I think Perrysburg's going to be good next year. They've got a lot of guys getting Friday night experience. They're 2-0 and now with, with a fairly young team. But, you know. I mean, Marysville wanted that win, but it's not one where you look at it and you go, Joe, oh, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go with this team or anything. Like, they're fine. The problem is their league's going to be a buzzsaw this year. There's going to be D1 quarterbacks. And, I mean, college D1 quarterbacks all over their league yeah. this year. And they're going to they're gonna have to clean it up. 
like you can't keep making mistakes and try to win in D1 and the kind of league Marysville plays in. Well, when I talked to, to Brent Monday morning, uh, that was the first thing, obviously. I knew it was going to be the first thing he touched on were the fumbles, e- even the ones that you were, even your own fumbles right. that you recovered. That sets you sure. back. You don't lose the did, ball. But they didn't lose the ball in that kickoff bobble. Right. But they ended up with the ball in the seven. It, 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 it hurts your field position it hurts your momentum and he said the penalties marysville is has prided itself over the years of being a team that doesn't fall victim to a lot of penalties but yeah eight penalties and what 60 yards i think it was that they lost Listen, um, jumping off sides on third down hard count is yeah that's that's you, you can't do that that's, that's just that, a that's issue. a discipline yeah. issue right you, you've yeah and he told me that this week during practice he said we're going we're just going back to the basics he says we've got to just key on our fundamentals and just stop that silly stuff you know like like that he says we can't have that now they're hosting Reynoldsburg Friday night Reynoldsburg's had some struggles uh they're 0 and 2 they play sloppy uh, last year when Marysville played them they're they're sloppy yeah they had an athletic quarterback i think he was a junior last year i think is he is he back this year uh their quarterback is Troy Martin uh, they want to. They they run out of the spread. Mm-hmm. They but they want to establish a running game first. But he, but if Marysville reduces their mistakes, I think they can run up and down against Reynoldsburg. Reynoldsburg's given up sixty six points. Reynoldsburg's the right team right the first, now. Yeah, they, this is the a palate, the palate cleanser, cleanser. Yes. You know now they'll be athletic. I, they, I know they've got a lineman that's one of the top one hundred players in Ohio too. I think that plays for them. So they've got athletes around the field but mm-hmm. like i said last year there's a lot of uh there's a lot of backyard ball in them if they yeah. play like they did last year yeah. a lot of you know solo tr- man ball try to do too much with a pass and kind of i remember last year this kid like threw it almost behind his back as he's getting sacked like, <laughs> it, like that's just lack of ball discipline yeah. but he's it, you know patrick mahomes yeah yes things. kind of yeah you the know. Slang thing. but um, but they've played upper arlington and dublin jerome two very very good teams to start the season so i i think this will be a palate cleansing type yeah. of game for mary's but i if as long as what they're working on this week in practice holds up during the game, which I think it will. Very rarely do you see two consecutive games where Marysville is going to put the ball on the ground like they did or commit the penalties that they did. They just, I'm sure that's been points of emphasis all this week in practice. And uh, Brent said everybody's healthy. He says, We're, he said, when we came in to watch films on Saturday, he said, after we were done with films, he said, the kids wanted to put the pads on and go out and practice, even after a day after playing a game. He said, and I know when they want to do that, we're going to be okay. We're fine because they haven't given that. up. Huh? I never did that. <laughs> Would you, you I didn't lick our wounds? That's what Weisberger used to say. We got to lick, our, lick wounds. our wounds. Take a nice ice bath. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he said, they wanted to get out and practice. And he said, with them showing that type of attitude, he said, I, I knew we were going to be okay. They they want to get this win because after this week, then you start into your 
conference schedule, and we've discussed before. OCC Capital. That thing's going to be just like last year where everybody beat everybody. Remember that last year? Everybody was. We talked about there could be two or three losses for the champion. Jerome was number one in the region, and Marysville came in and beat him last year, and then, like, they were just all trading losses. Yeah, it's, it's, there's, again, talk about gimme games. There's not one on this slate after this week. Uh, it's it's going to be a rough stretch. But if Marysville can use this game to fix some things, I think they're going to be okay. Do you – so I guess in this particular matchup for Marysville, while I get that you don't want to, like, reinvent the wheel in terms of their offense, I would – I would like to see them kind of experiment more with the pass, kind of like what you're talking about with the quarterback tight end relationship. I think they'll keep. I think they'll keep growing that more. Really? As it, you know, I don't think we've maybe one time seen that uh, double inside handoff they do counter that they do that joker play. They're not running that a lot. You know, I don't think they've. They're running. They're running some swing passes. They haven't brought in like a. Well, I think they tried to run it once. They haven't brought in like a true screen game yet. Like. I think they're going. There's things they're going to fold in here, which they're going to have to. They're not going to need to pass a lot. Just again, just yeah. enough to keep defenses honest. They, they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They just got to fix the wheel that broke off a little bit yeah. last yeah. week. And I feel like if you if you do kind of experiment and keep drilling that passing game, I think it sets it well for the games yet to come, which are kind of like that. It does. You, know, you can't. You can't. You don't want to look up and see nine guys in the box. You know, as a as a team that wants to run the ball, they've got to at least respect the passing game. You know, uh, in in some regard, otherwise you're going to see goal line fronts yeah. the entire year. Yeah. Out of out of the first two games, how many passing yards do you believe uh, Brevin has? Oh, he's, he's only got like a hundred. He's only got 100. yeah. He's it's. I'll be honest. I th- I think I'm I'm, I'm kind of surprised that they haven't passed more. But then again, you know, I mean, they're a run first team. So I yeah, guess that, shouldn't that's be their too base. The people offense. The people I talk to, and you know, I just had somebody last night that was asking about the quarterback position this year, and I was sitting at a table with someone else who watched the game Friday, and they said the same thing I've said on here is that Brevin looks the part, like. He he's tall. His arm motion is right. He his feet. He moves his feet well. He sets it. He sets his shoulders. He looks the part. He just hasn't been uncorked yet. You know, maybe they don't have enough receivers to do it. I know the wing tees. You know, not a pass first offense, but it, they can pass more out of it. But but he passes the te- the look test. You know, if, if you told me in in a couple of weeks he threw for two hundred yards in a game. I'd be shocked that Marysville called that many, but I wouldn't be surprised that he could do that. Well, well, we've got what everybody's got to remember. This is his first year as a varsity quarterback. Right. So, uh, first and only. Yeah, <laughs> first and only. But uh, I, I think they're they're going to be fine. So now we the come. One thing, the one thing I would would say, and in, in, without ever seeing them, um, the ground game doesn't seem quite as potent as it has been in the past. It's. There's no way to look back the last three years and, and, the, and say, that's what, and that's what's bad about that. What you've seen before, yeah, right. you know how good those guys were. Hundred percent. And now you're you really not you there. had you had you know between Gabe and Colton Powers and and uh, the coach's son uh, Griff Griffin, Johnson. like you had three workhorses there that were getting the the 
low to the carries. Marysville's running like six different guys now. They're running a lot of guys are getting carries. You know, Kratowskis has taken on that that more of a banger, that fullback mode. And this Nathan Wood is is a little burner, but he's very small. So he he can't really make his own crease. Like Griffin was even though he was like a speed back, he was a little bulkier. So there's just different dynamics of the running backs right now, you know, and that line is playing good but not great yet. Like, it's funny. When when I shoot a lot from end zones, and when you stand in the end zone, you can see the holes. Marysville's blocking is all about timing. The holes open up as the back is coming through. It's not like the hole opens, nobody's there, and it closes, and then the running back run. Like, it's a timing thing. So that opening and – as the back gets there, is not quite there yet, but it should be. It will get there. It makes you appreciate what you've had the last sure. two, three years, but also makes you realize that, hey, things change. Sure. You I mean, know? I mean, these are new guys, and we said, yeah. and what I said last week is these guys are more of a faceless team. They're more of a they're more of a blob of humanity than one <laughs> individual first-team All-State guy. You right. know, they are right. – but, you know, that doesn't mean – they play bad, you know, and it also means if somebody gets hurt, they're more than likely able to plug in the next guy, and it and it doesn't impact the overall, you know, quality that much. Well, now it's time to wrap things up with our players over the week for each team. Bob, North Union, and Triad, your players of the game. Um, Carter Skaggs, the senior quarterback for North Union, um, had a, a very good game. Uh, Played basically the first half and I think one series in the in the second half and he uh, went uh, twelve or thirteen of fifteen for two hundred and eight yards. So he had a you know very good uh, game. Um, so I think probably he is uh, uh, my player of the game for North Union um, for uh, uh, Triad. Um, again, you know, I, I guess Austin Mitchell with 12 carries for 73 yards would have been well over 100 had we been able to count the uh, the long touchdown run. Um, so I, I guess it's going to be Austin Mitchell. Mine from Jonathan Alders, quarterback Grant Horn, although Cameron Mitchell had another great game. I liked how Cam, uh, or Grant – Cameron Jules. Jules. Jules, not Mitchell. I, I like his food, Tim, but I don't think we can give him player of the game. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's it's lunchtime. I'm getting hungry, but Cameron Jules. Sorry about that, Cameron. Do you deliver? Uh, but Grand Horn, I like the way he engineered uh, their offense. And uh, Alexi Fairbanks. Um, well, it's you know, I was just kind of like battling it out in my mind a little bit, but I I would say AJ Landon is my player of the game just because he was a presence on defense as well as offense. He had seven carries for seventy yards, um, and uh, he also was, I think he had a, maybe a little bit south than of like ten tackles. I think he, honestly, actually. If I look at my notes again, I'm pretty sure it was over. It was it was over ten tackles on defense, um, but yeah, like I would say, just because of the solid play that he had on offense and defense, he was also a very vocal leader, and I think uh, he probably said it best after the game that you know. 
This team needs to really examine itself moving forward and find that effort and find that drive because, you know, it's not just going to come easy from here on out. So I would say him. And Marysville. I thought about uh, giving it to tight end Fraker for his two big first down pass receptions. But as I'm thinking about it, like I kind of thought, He's probably going to have a bigger game down the road, I think. I, that would be my guess. I, I could be wrong. And so I considered him. But uh, Carson Overby, number three, uh, defensive back for Marysville. Oh. Marysville doesn't. And <laughs> I know you make that noise because you probably never hear me rant and rave about Marysville defensive back performances sometimes. I am, like, I am all for this right It now. is a place that, like, I think Marysville, some teams, historically Marysville has been kind of uh, – Let's say maybe a soft spot. Um, Suspect. But he he played – here again, I don't have defensive stats for Marysville, but my impression was he was always around the ball. He was making good open field tackles. He was up contesting passes. He seemed to be the man around the ball all the time. And he's also the guy that got the interception in the end zone that stopped that second drive that could have put it to a 14-0 game on the second drive, and he got that pick in the end zone. So I'm, I'm going to go with him because I, I think – you know, you get that feel sometimes that a guy is just having a game and he's around the ball all the time. And for the record, it's not only lunchtime, but I was trying to build a combination of running back to help Triad combine Awesome Mitchell and Cameron Joel. And we got Cameron Mitchell. And again, we're at, we're at 207 North Main Street in Marysville if you deliver. so. All right. Well, that's going to be the show for this week. Thank you guys for all the good information. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. And of course, thanks to our sponsor, Axiona Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, please be sure and follow the show. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. Be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.